I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile, no. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere. Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, taking the series three games to one. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined tonight by Liz Churchville, and uh, appearing on the show for the first time, Charlie Smith. How are you guys? Awesome. Doing great. Doing great. Why wouldn't we be? You know, we took three out of four. Still kind of, you know, gaining traction here, you know, and hopefully getting ready to go on a run, you know, if the Yankees would stop playing the Orioles. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so uh, good to good to have you guys. And uh, we'll take three out of four every time, won't we? Absolutely. Well, and might <laughs> I add, even though I know last show I don't believe my pick or this series got in on time, but I I said the one game they were going to lose was going to be against Marcus Stroman because he's <sighs> pretty much the best thing they've got they've got going, and that's exactly what happened. So I doubt I'll be right very often because I I go based on feeling versus numbers, and that doesn't work most of the time uh, based on my sports gambling history. But um, it worked this time, so and it worked in the Sox' favor. Yeah, and it's too bad because. Uh... Stroman was a punk the whole game, but we'll we'll get into that. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and get into uh, heroes and zeros here? And Liz, since you're like the best leadoff hitter ever, go ahead. All right, I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, but I will. But I will go first. So uh, I picked my hero. I don't even know if I really want to call him a hero necessarily, but we'll call him the most improved player for this series. Um, I got to go with JBJ. I mean, he was, um, I know uh, Stephanie uh, called him out, you know, or has called, everybody's called him out at some point. He's been sucking. But uh, but this series, he really seemed to be kind of starting to dig out of his hole. Uh, for the last seven games, uh, his uh, batting average has been 241, which I know is just around, like, mediocre maybe like that's pretty good but for him uh, I believe at one point he was under 100 so uh, that really really sucks but uh, in game one he got uh, I think I've got all these right anyway he got a run a hit uh, a home run and two RBIs can't complain about that 
Uh, game two, he got a run, two hits, another home run, shocker. And uh, it was a solo shot, uh, I think one of the few in that game against Stroman um, there in game two. Uh, game three, you know, uh, two runs and a hit, uh, which didn't really materialize into too much. And uh, game four, same thing, uh, one run and two hits. I mean, it, as long as he's getting on base, at least he's doing his part. I mean, it, just because you get on base, obviously you're not you're not always going to get in. But at least if you get there in some way, shape, or form, be it a hit or a walk or something, you know, it's more productive than a strikeout. So uh, JBJ has been getting a lot of hate lately from us and probably everybody else. Um, so I wanted to bring up something else other than his hit velocity and uh, and everything. So he's my hero slash most improved player for this series. Yeah, you know, you say everybody's called him out, and, you know, we've done that, you know, certainly. And uh, I think I've even disowned him at some points this season. And we are a better team when Bradley is hitting. You know, it's nice to have some production in the bottom third of the order, but I would still move him, you know, if, if one of our near major league ready prospects is is ready to be called up either he or pierce are, are probably the you know the odd man out and you know so i just i just feel like we've seen this movie before but you're right he did have a hit in uh every all three games that he started and uh you know he got his first home run of the year so he typically heats up that that 28-29 game streak from back in 2016. That was mostly in the month of May. So this is usually when his temperature needle starts to go up. So we'll see. Char- Charlie, what, what do you think of Bradley? Um, I'll, I'm going to be honest. It's it's one of those things where it, it just it it's nice to see him hit. Uh, you you can't thank him enough for what he was able to do in 2018. But you can't. You know, we 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 got to stop thinking about the past because I mean, last year we were seeing you know him kind of starting to struggle a little bit, and this year slow start again. But I mean, back to back games with home runs, which is really really nice. So now the question is, can he keep this up? Can he do this on a continuous basis? Like they asked him, and they were talking about it on TV. You know, it was just the beginning of something new, and his response was, "We'll see." So <laughs> hopefully, the hits you know start to uh, come together. Bradley because defensively he's an absolute marvel um and I mean if he wasn't what he was defensively he wouldn't be playing in Boston right now that's a fact right absolutely that's the only thing keeping him up here because I mean it's pretty easy to acquire you know a a serviceable outfielder that's probably gonna hit better than 160 and um yeah but we'll see. I mean, for now, we're we're better off with him being productive, you know, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is your... Well, oh, go ahead, Liz. Well, well can I... Just, just one more quick question. So last week, uh, when Steph called him out, um, it kind of turned into a little bit of a tangent and me comparing him to Kevin Kiermeyer, who also historically can't hit, but is actually hitting better than him and everything. And I guess uh, I was looking at Kiermeyer's contract and just to give it a nice round number he was making like 3.5 million a year where i know bradley is making 10 and i was asking you know would you want to keep bradley at more of a kevin kiermeyer price 
Um, like if he, if you could sign him and keep him for that amount, would you keep him or no matter what, no matter, almost no matter the price, would you get rid of him? I mean, he's making 8 million a year right now. And I just, I just feel like we're going to have the depth and prospects. I mean, you know, Dahlbeck and, and Chatham haven't been, you know, called up yet, and I, I doubt either one of them are going to have the same impact Chavis is having, but one of the two will pan out, and then one of Chavis, Dahlbeck, or Chatham will probably have to get converted uh, into the outfield to make room for all of them, because Devers isn't going, you know, out of the infield, and, and neither is Xander, so I just feel like there, there are much cheaper options, at, you know, by the time next year rolls around. And if you, we're going to have sale at, you know, a monster deal, four more years of, of price at, at his big contract, and, you know, Evaldi's not cheap, and, you know, neither is the new contract that Bogart signed, you know, $20 million a year for, I think, six years. I just don't think there's a need really for, you know, given given Bradley, you know, a Kiermaier type deal. But that, that's just where I'm at with it. You guys with me? Oh, am I all by myself again? <laughs> this happens like 15, oh, it happened nine minutes into the show. So I'm talking to myself here, and they're probably DMing me. Uh, this hadn't happened in a few shows, so let me see if I can get these guys back. Um, so I, I guess for for the audience that's with me at the moment, I just can't. This, this is awkward. Hello, hello. Okay. I just got my uh, my my routine uh, you know 10 minute uh, disconnect or whatever that's been happening i probably Uh-oh. ought to do a different device it should be fine from here out i've never had it happen twice but i don't know where we got cut off but i was just saying with the huge contracts that we already have i just wouldn't i wouldn't waste a ton of money on on bradley when we, we have we're going to have guys that are going to be cheaper you know that that are going to get called up from the minors and and probably quite frankly be better you know as, as a whole so that's that's where i was on that but charlie go ahead with your i'm sorry liz oh sorry. i'm sorry i was saying or just just as good i guess you're just as good right absolutely so you're going to talk about who my hero or my, yes my, my zero uh, your hero so my hero has been Michael Chavis, and probably will continue to be so. That's probably going to be my next Jersey investment. I uh, have a special like background story about Chavis. My uh, wonderful girlfriend actually took me to see um, Sox on my birthday, and I saw Mike Chavis hit a home run. If you actually Google's first home run, you can see me in the background. In the meantime, uh-huh. Michael Chavis will continue to be my hero. A uh, couple of home runs, was kind enough to hit a home run in the 13th inning, let me go to sleep, which is really nice because it was really late night to wake up in the morning. Um, but he's just continued to be an absolute machine. Now, granted, four for eighteen batting average is two twenty-two. A couple of homers, four RBIs. You're averaging an RBI game, so you're doing your job. Strikeouts are a little high. Still striking out about what one out of three at bats in that series. But I mean, 
I don't think anyone's going to complain with two home runs and 18 at-bats, one home run every nine at-bats. I'll take that every day that ends in Y. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I mean, the the guy's been phenomenal. You know, when, when he got called up, just the day before they were saying no no we're not gonna we're not gonna call him up just yet and then but then Nunez went on the DL the next day or the UMF list I'm sorry if you're not familiar with uh, the UMF list Charlie that's that's the useless motherfucker list um, <laughs> I I just refused I wouldn't come off the DL I mean we waited until we're at you know 2019 to get offended by the word disabled list. That we had to switch it to the injured it's silly. list. So the UMF is my compromise uh, to the new I, name. I, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And they're like, "Oh, that's mean. You shouldn't be calling." You know, like if Mookie went on, you know, like, "Oh, Mookie's not useless." Well, I'm like, "Well, for the next ten fucking days, he's useless. All right, he's not going to be in the lineup." You know, if he's giving yeah. back rubs to the players, you know, maybe that's helping, but you know, not ultimately. But right. anyway. But what I was saying with Chavis, that, see, that's how quickly we get off track on this show. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, we were When he got called up, we're seven games under five hundred. We're four games above it now, and this is the highest we've been above it. And the, he was the turning point in this season. Like, it's timed with him getting called up. So the guy's Absolutely. just – The guy's been an absolute spark plug and – and, you know, he's hitting, you know, a little under 300 here, 10 home runs. He's already knocked in uh, 25, and I have his uh, game logs here. But he had a pretty good series with uh, Toronto, you know, two home runs, uh, you know, dr- dr- had a couple other uh, runs driven in. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I mean, he's far and away exceeded expectations, and, you had the controversy, you know, with the steroids. And I remember it was probably as recently as two or three years ago, people were wondering if he was a bust. And then, you know, he, you know, he went on this epic run. I think he might have led the, um, is it called the International League or whatever? And, uh, right. and home runs one year. And then, like I said, the controversy. But, you know, he, he served his suspension. He paid his debt. He's with the big club now. And, the dude's just absolutely mashing, and he's destroying it. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about um, Christian Vasquez, Vasquez, and you got um, you know Sandy, and that's like you know all right. Every pitcher faces him, thinking, oh, it's like the pitcher. That's that's an easy strikeout. And then when we had Brock Holt, and we had Pedroia. Pedroia was like two for twenty. Brock Holt was one for sixteen, three for sixteen. Ouch. That's awful. That, that's like two easy outs. That's two pitchers in the lineup. Now you have a guy who's hitting a home run every three games or two games. That's stupid. Like, how how in the world could – people? I, I posted this on Twitter. I was like, oh, so when Dustin Pedroia comes back, do the Red Sox send him down, keep him up? 70% of people were like, yeah, send him down. I was like, you guys insane? Have you guys not been watching or paying attention? Oh, my goodness. It's awful. Yeah. Awful. You know, and we're just, some people just are never going to be rational when it comes to Pedroia, regardless of how, you know, broken down he is. But, but you know, we got Mookie coming up, you know, for free agency. I'm thinking we're probably not going to sign him at this point. I think they kind of pivoted, you know, when they gave Bogarts that deal. 
Um, and, and then I think the the trout contract was a was a turning point. So you don't hear much of that anymore because Chavis has kind of taken over a little bit. And and if and when Mookie goes to his next team, Chavis is going to be the guy five years from now that everybody's like, oh my god. We have to lock this guy up. We cannot let this guy go. And it's the circle of life. It really is. And, yeah. And, you know, maybe you see some other deals getting handed out. The Braves made a couple interesting moves with uh, Albies and Acuna. So I don't know if there'll be some creativity with Chavis. But, uh, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing. And, and I just... I, I don't think he's going to play another minor league game again outside of, you know, a rehab start for an no injury. No way. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And uh, uh, not to cut you off, but uh, when uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. got that deal, it was, I think, 800. Right. It was insane. Yeah. That was insane. And it, it uh, would benefit Boston to do something like that going forward because going into this year, Acuna was highly touted one of the most um, highly anticipated picks, not named Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, to come last year. They thought Vlad might come next last year. didn't happen. And you, Acuna destroyed it last year, just destroyed everything. It was a 2020 guy. I think he had like, I don't think he had 20 stolen bases. I don't think he was 20, 20, 20. But, um, I mean, got on base, did really well. At one point, was hitting like, I think he had like a home run to start what six or seven games in a row until he got plunked by that guy from Miami. Um, Urena, yeah, yeah, yeah. Urena hit him. I think on the first pitch of the game, so he couldn't hit a homer off him. But I mean, he's got so much talent, and uh, we'd be silly to to not think that the same thing could happen for Chavis. Now, Chavis isn't the same age. I think Chavis is, I think, a year, maybe two years older. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I think he's like 22 or 23, and Acuna's only 21. So, it, it, worst that happens is they wait another year to see if that was just like the rookie freshman year, see if sophomore slump exists. Because if not, then yeah, load them up. Yeah, and the Red Sox get gained an extra year of control on Chavis by waiting until like the third week in April or whatever. So, um, so they'll have him for six more years after this. And and the thing with mm-hmm. Acuna's deal, it, it was an eight-year 100 deal, but there's two option years tacked on. So he could be there for exactly a decade, and I, I don't know why he wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I actually picked him as my NL MVP. Liz uh, wisely took uh, Christian Yelich again, and uh, you know I think that's kind of uh, a little bit more on the money uh, for now anyway. And but yeah, uh, let me. Yelich uh, is amazing too. Absolutely, yeah. I I like him, and I love that team too. By the way, you know, it's probably my favorite National League team for now. I, hopefully, they can, uh, you know, shore up their pitching though. Um, but anyway, so I'll uh, my hero has to be Devers. Uh, you know, guy continues to absolutely rake, and I've seen he had a home run. I think it was today. Or maybe was it? Yeah, I can't remember. He had one yesterday. I don't. I I didn't see him hit one today. Okay, but I wasn't watching the TV. I know Pierce had one in the ninth. Well, what I I was just watched it. Yeah, no, yeah, out to left field. I saw that one, and uh, Bogarts launched one pretty good as well. Um, Yep. But in this series, you you kind of did start to see 
Devers kind of start to lift the ball a little bit more. A lot of his home runs previously have been more line drives because the guy has just insane power. Like some of the highest exit velocity I've seen, you know, coming off a bat. And now that he's kind of lifting him more, I I think you'll start to see him, uh, you know, go deep with a little bit more uh, regularity. But he uh, he had a good series uh, with Toronto, uh, six hits uh, overall, and you know this is what I I was kind of hoping to see last year, and you know he had a lot of you know setbacks. He had an injury. I can't remember if he he might have got sent down at some point late in the summer, and you kind of started to see him be a factor again uh, in September, and then. And spots throughout the playoffs, but he's hitting out a three uh, fifteen clip right now. Six dingers, which have all been fairly recently, and uh, I'm just I'm pretty thrilled with what I'm seeing. And I, I, I mean, his defense I think has gotten better. I feel like he's he really hasn't made a ton of uh, errors, you know, compared to what we saw in April as well. So he's he's trending the right way in all directions i feel like he um he definitely is something fun to watch he had a three hit game to start um get a two hit a three hit and i think he had because he had a couple hits today too so he actually brought the the batting average back up um he started what like 330 because he was leading the league at one point he he had he had almost a 500 week because he had a three a two a one and then another two today so he had eight hits in four games. He's averaging two hits a game. Kid's a stud. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so ho- hopefully, you know, hopefully it keeps up. It's just, I mean, the Yankees are absolutely killing it right now, you know, offensively. And that's kind of what, what's helped keep them afloat. But J.D., hopefully he'll be back. I, I meant to check uh he hasn't been put on the DL last I knew, but he's been pretty consistent. Mookie is starting to come around. He hit a home run, uh, at least one home run in that extra innings game. And, and you know, so he's starting to show flashes of what we saw last year. His OBP has been over 100, though, I think, all year. So that that's he's been getting on base consistently. We just haven't quite seen the power, but... You know, I, I just think that the the lineup is 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 starting to get really balanced from a power standpoint, and um, you know, Devers has been a huge part of that. So to to have a bat like that in the middle of the order, that's going to set up nicely as we hopefully you know close the gap here on New York, Tampa, and and you know make this probably a three way uh, divisional race. Excuse me, choked on my water. Um, <laughs> that's the downside to being live. Um, so, okay, Liz, let's go with your uh, who's your zero for this segment. I thought it was pretty hard to pick a zero, uh, mainly because you know they pretty much killed it in every game except for game two. So, in, in this case, I, and I tend to uh, just because I don't have as big of as big of an opinion as. Uh, as you guys do, you know, about about the players since I'm not a fan officially. Um, 
but I picked the low-hanging fruit. I had to pick Erod. Like, obviously, he was a big part of, uh, aside from Strowman, you know, being dominant. But um, he was a big part of why they lost game two. Um, it, it seems just like he's forever inconsistent. And, and if the bats, if the bats aren't showing up, which they definitely weren't in that game, you know, he's not, he's not going to win. I feel like his wins and losses are deceptive. Um, and it's just that when, when they score a lot of runs, he wins. And when they don't, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not ever the, the dominant force, uh, in a win. He just gets lucky and, uh, makes it to six innings and then, or makes it through six and then gets the win kind of thing. So, uh, so in this case, it had to be Erod. I couldn't think of anybody else. He was definitely Fair. off, uh, you know, in this game. And I forget how, was it two three-run homers? I know the second one was a three-run shot. I, uh, I uh, honestly, I I am not I am not totally sure. I remember him looking, you know, not not too bad, you know, to start, and then it's like he gets through a couple innings and he just starts to crumble, which is you know a starting pitcher's worst nightmare. You know, oh, you go out and everything's great, and then all of a sudden you get through the batting order one time, and then they they figured you out, and that seems to be what what happened. Yeah, I just, with the second home run in particular, it was definitely a three-run shot, and it came with two outs in the inning as well. So it was just a huge gut punch and really, you know, made it 6 nothing at that point. And, you know, so far in, in 2019, we're not quite the team we were last year. Last year, you couldn't count us out in any situation, and... This year, so far, you know, we haven't really been able to dig our way out of holes and stuff. So, you know, I kind of knew it was over at that point. And and the other interesting thing, too, was Alex Cora went out to the mound to consult with him Mm -hmm. during the game and not the pitching coach, Dana Levangie. So I was wondering maybe if if he might have been tipping his pitches, and he has had problems with that in the past charlie what what was your take on that um the one thing that i noticed was that they don't they don't hit his fastball they'll hit it they'll make contact but not good contact each of the home runs at least the ones that rowdy hit i was listening to him on the radio that how he got his nickname is kind of hilarious uh his real name is i think it's like john patrick or whatever but uh side note i have add (laughs) <laughs> all okay. of the home run pitches were all off speed. They were in like the mid seventies, low eighties. Because if you throw nineties, they're not hitting it. They're not getting it. So the the last home run, the one that ended it, that sealed the deal in the fifth, that Telez hit, was like eighty miles an hour. That thing was like right over the dish. Like he destroyed it. He smashed it for four hundred feet. The first home run, I was coming back from the bathroom, and it was the same thing. It was, I think. Um, an off-speed pitch, low, mashed. And then two pitches later, uh, he mashed another off-speed pitch. Like, they're in the mid-low 80s, and they're just get, they're gut-punching us, like you mentioned. Just, as soon as that third three-run bomb happened, I was like, it's over. Done. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and he had, when he was tipping his pitches previously, this was when Farrell was still here, so it's been a little while, but... His glove positioning before he would go into the windup was was a little bit different, and Baltimore had caught on to it, and 
you know, and then they addressed it, and and he was fine after that. And Baltimore's one of Erod's better teams, but I just thought when when Cora went out there, and Cora is really sharp when it comes to picking up, you know, tells like that. Last year in, in the playoffs, they they figured out some stuff Severino was doing, and that's why I don't think he got out of the third inning in uh, Game Three, and. Cora talked about after the game how he and Eric Gagne, when they were with the Dodgers back in the early 2000s, used to compete with each other to, you know, to pick up tells with other pitchers, uh, you know, as far as uh, mm-hmm. tipping their pitches. So, uh, you know, he might have he might have seen something, and and he was asked about it after the game, and. Cora just kind of grinned and he goes, well, I, I can't really be talking about that type of stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. we probably won't know for sure, but um, this wasn't a team that Rodriguez typically struggles against. And the preview, uh, you know, of the last uh, show, I, I was saying how in four starts last year against Toronto, he gave up three runs or less in, in all four appearances. So, you know, it's just kind of came out of nowhere to to have a game like that, and I don't know, kind of surprised me. It, it, it was interesting how, because uh, now that you mention it, I remember when I was watching the game, like that Cora went out and spoke to him, and I thought he was getting pulled at that point. Very rarely, at least in my in my experience and my like watching history, do you see a manager? go out and speak to a pitcher and not be pulling a pitcher. Usually it would either be the pitching coach or the catcher, you know, obviously, you know, going out and talking to him. You hardly ever see the manager go out and then have the pitcher stay in. So I wonder, you know, if Erod wanted to stay in or, you know, what what was happening if Cora just said, hey, you know, why not? Let's just try it or or what. But then uh, who was it that came in after him? Workman? I mean, it's not that he did too much better necessarily. Yeah, I don't think it was Workman. Uh, I forget who it I forget. was. Oh no, it was it was the bleeder. Every single every single time he comes in, he blows up and gives up a run. It's TT Thornburg. Yeah, he's yeah. Not, and he got Every- put on, on the DL, so we won't we won't have to be dealing with that for a little while. But yeah, he needs to be DFA'd. Exactly. I know. I mean, every. Just every time he's on the mound, it's just a reminder of how painful that trade is. You know, why would you want to? Hurts. Why would you want to bring back those memories and just? Uh, I uh, that sucks. But Charlie, uh, who, who's your zero? Before I get to my zero, do you oh. know that Tyler Thornburg, in all of his appearances this year, has had more appearances where he's allowed to run than not allowed to run? Uh, that Isn't that staggering? Does not shock me at all. That's why he's the mop-up guy. Jeez, I mean, they just put him in because they need someone to soak up it in it. It's just, it's brutal. ZRA is probably like, uh, I don't know, four. No, it's like seven or eight. It's something ugly. Uh, my zero though is Kendi. Uh, yeah. uh, it just, it, I don't know what happened, man. I mean, thank goodness for Chavis because Kendi's, you know, he's losing steam. He had. Um, just four hits in the series, um, hit like 230, had four walks, four strikeouts, stole third base today, Woo. Um, and uh, that was the only time he scored a run. He's just, 
he's not there. It's just not happening. And uh, they've been experimenting. Cora's been experimenting with Alex Cora and Andrew Benintendi in the one-two slot. It hasn't. It hasn't worked. And uh, they need to figure something else out. You know, combined the first night, I think they had one or two hits. The second night, I don't think Betts got a hit that game. The third night, they each had one. And I don't know. I don't think Tendy was batting first today. I think he batted like sixth or something. Yeah, sixth. Sixth. Okay, yeah. They they changed it up because they needed to. Um it, it just it's not working so until he gets his groove back he needs to figure himself out he's just he's not seeing the ball well he's hitting like 260 for the for the year he's got what four or five home runs last year this time he was doing a lot better two years ago same thing like maybe it's just a slow period but i mean even the stolen bases like he's only had like two or three this year hasn't been too much yeah, you know, I think right around this time he did kind of have a, a bit of a slump last year. And I know, let's see, that was 2018. and 2017, I think the same thing. Uh, you know, And I remember Farrell just automatically benching him against lefties and putting Chris Young in there. And that just aggravated me to no end because I'm like, you know, Benintendi isn't a platoon guy. He's an everyday guy, and he needs to learn how to hit lefties. And... And that occurred right around this time. It might have been more closer to June, but I think he just goes through it. And I don't, I don't really, I don't panic, you know, when it happens. Uh, he, he seems to, he seems to find his way out of it. And he's really intense, you know, and gets fired up. And I, I think, you know, more sooner than later, he's gonna, um, you know, get it figured out. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope so because he's on my fantasy team and I can't drop him, so I can't do anything with him. I'm in a team that has keepers. I think I ended up picking him for whatever the reason in my first three and it won't let me drop him. I'm like, damn it. But, yeah. I mean, he seems kind of streaky because he was, like, really, I don't want to say sucking. Like, I hesitate to use that word because I, I don't think he sucked. But, yeah, uh, <sighs> he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't hitting uh, he wasn't hitting for a while, and then all of a sudden he just started being awesome. So, I mean, hopefully this hiatus in the hitting, you know, won't be that long. Uh, maybe giving him a break and putting him at, you know, near the back of the lineup will take the pressure off of him. Uh, you know, baseball, you know, is a mental game, you know, so maybe, you know, you, you don't hit a couple times and you start to believe you can't hit for whatever reason. I don't know. And, um, and then, you know, he'll get it back and they'll move him back up and he'll be a great leadoff guy again. Yeah, and it's You're not just, wrong. <laughs> not no, wrong absolutely not. Uh, my my zero, you know, like you guys said, tough series to to uh, try to find one, you know, where you win three three out of four. But I'll just I'll go with Workman. He's definitely had his struggles as of late. I think Cora might have left him in a little too long. He. Had the bases loaded on, uh, let's see, that was uh, game three. That was the extra innings game. And I just feel like the walks are, are a little out of control with him. And he did walk in the next run and uh, was able to get a, a ground ball out to end the inning. And when he came into, I forget what inning it was. I think it was the eighth, actually. Um 
he got he had two outs within his first five pitches, and then he was in there almost twenty five pitches later, almost thirty pitches overall, and just couldn't couldn't quite you know command his curveball. And I'm just I'm a little concerned about that because it's a it is a tough pitch to command, and when you don't have much else to go with it, I mean he throws in the low nineties, so. His fastball, you know, it's not dominant by any means. I think he did manage to get a strikeout. I can't remember it was that appearance. You know, it, he just kind of elevated a little bit and, uh, you know, got the swing and the miss. But um, I just feel like I just feel like it, 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 he might be a tough person to to lean on regularly in seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And we got another guy who's the same way, Colton Brewer, really. If his curveball isn't on, then, he, you know, he, he's going to get knocked around. So I, I don't know. You know, Brazier's kind of coming around. He's been somewhat stable the last couple appearances. And, you know, Barnes has been consistent all year. And uh, Walden had a bit of a blip, but... I just, I don't know. I just, I don't want to continually see workmen getting into jams and, you know, trying to coral leaving them in there to try to get out of them because it, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna keep biting us. You know, we're just, we just haven't got the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, uh, you know, dialed in yet. So, um, you know, so he, he's my zero tonight. Any thoughts on him before we move on? You know, uh, man, when it comes to workmen, uh, people have said this before about him. He'll have six, seven, eight straight games where he'll be great. Like, take this month, for example. Before that kind of blip, like you mentioned, he was superb. He might have had maybe one bad, uh, I think he had one other bad outing. I don't remember if it was against, was it against Colorado or Seattle? I forget. It's like, it was like, a couple weeks ago, Colorado. Yeah. Um, it was Colorado, right? Yeah, he uh, he gave up the homer, um, and that was it. I mean, other than that, he's he's been great. I mean, he's got a before you know the the earned run that he gave up. His ERA was sitting at two, so he's he's very very consistent. And of course, you know we're not going to get a lockdown guy. He's not going to go perfect every single inning, but he's only given up a run in like what the Colorado game. Toronto game, maybe two more. You know, he's he's very very good. I'm I'm thankful that he's been consistent this year. I mean, it's the antithesis of Thornburg, who gives up two runs a game almost. It's awful. He he had I forget what the streak was. It was like thirty something batters, you know, w- without scoring or something. And but the walks were still kind of up. They just weren't. You know, they just weren't coming home. So now I think that's kind of caught up to him. And, you know, I just I just don't want... Cora hasn't had a good month as far as the bullpen goes, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so... And, and Workman's been a small part of that. And uh, Travis Lakins, I, I was kind of in and out for the game today, but I noticed he... Uh, I didn't even see that he had gotten called up because Thornburg went on the DL mercifully, and um, <laughs> and Lakins ended up being the corresponding move. So I was like pleasantly surprised when I woke up and saw that. But um, 
and he's he had like several like 35 straight scoreless appearances last year between double a and triple a so you know probably we're probably looking at a a, a high-end late inning reliever in lakin so um hopefully they kind of keep him up for as long as his performance justifies it and you know, maybe maybe he's part of the solution uh, going forward, but um, but yeah, and hopefully, like I said, Cora, you know, is a little, you know, a little sharper with his decisions. One of the things I've noticed is, and the other night with Workman especially, Cora just isn't getting the bullpen warmed up quick enough. You know, Workman got into the jam, and I forget who came in after. It might have been Barnes, and he just wasn't ready quick enough. And he had already walked in a run, and I'm like, my goodness, they're going to let him face another batter. And he got out of the jam, luckily, but I don't know. I just, everything everything last year was, um, you know, Cora couldn't, couldn't do anything wrong, and we're not looking at the same type of magic this year. But anyway, it's, well, or go ahead. I was going to say this, that it felt like the whole month of April was like a really just bad action movie that you just, you wanted to stop watching, but you just couldn't because you love Bruce Willis. So it's, it's like Armageddon. It's like that movie is not that good, but no. if it's on TV, you'll end up watching it. Because they rested all of their stars during spring training. So April was spring training. So the month of May, to me, is like the month of April. This is a horrible way to look at it. But you see now Chris Sales throwing mid-upper 90s again. We were seeing him throw, like, upper 80s. And we're like, uh, what just happened? You know? Right. I can tell you what happened. I'm listening. Sandy Leone came back. Oh, <laughs> you're one of those. So you think yes. so that... Do you do you think that Sandy Leone has made the difference? Yes, I okay. don't even have to hesitate. <laughs> okay. I've been I've been a Leone fan like for a long time, and I'm not even a fan. Like I'm a fan that's not a fan. Like I started really paying attention to the Sox uh, toward the end of last season, and then obviously uh, through their World Series run. And one of the one of the players I enjoyed watching the most was Sandy Leone. And I don't know if I'm just a catcher person or what. I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know why, but he's he's so fun to watch behind the plate. And to me, it's undeniable the difference that he makes. I feel like as much as I know some people don't like the whole uh, personal catcher situation, I feel like you're paying these pitchers millions of dollars, and, and sure, they should be able to throw to anybody, but if they don't trust their catcher in the game that they're calling, they're just simply not going to throw well. And sure, sometimes, like other other pitchers aren't like that and that's great that's wonderful they could have anybody catching the catching the ball at the other end but Porcello and Sale are not that way and I feel like their numbers from the beginning of the season where Vasquez and Swihart were or Vasquez however you pronounce his name you know were catching him and they were sucking and then Leon came back and the first start that Leon had with both of them weren't weren't great but then after that They've been pretty fucking solid, and I really don't think you can deny that. And it it could be that something else is going on. I don't know, but uh, as I said before, baseball is a mental fucking game. And if if they need Sandy, 
to make them be in the game and feel confident, then God damn it, you're paying them tons of money and you guys want to win a series, let Sandy Leon catch them. So to back up your point, after he started in April, April 16th was his first game where he went 0-3, struck out a couple times in New York. They won, lost, won one, so three and one, four and one, seven and one, eight, nine, ten, eleven and two in games that he starts. So you might be onto something. You might be onto something. I think. I mean, with Porcello and Sale, like she said, the the turnaround was almost instant, and it's just it's too big of a coincidence, and. and you can time Porcello's 2016 Cy Young run, you know, thanks to, you know, Liz's Tampa writers um, for botching the Verlander thing. <laughs> but, um, but that was time when, when Leon got paired up with him. And, and I don't know, but a week ago, uh, last Friday, I think, against the Astros, uh, Leon was on paternity leave and, and Porcello was lights out with Vasquez, so maybe it was just a matter of Leon helping getting him right. But long term, I I definitely think that's you know the most ideal situation. And I think Vasquez is good three out of every five games. Like that's that's a good rhythm for him. I feel like, and I just think our our catching situation is perfect. And I think he's eleven and three. Uh, Charlie, this year, where the Red Sox are eleven and three in games that Sandy Leone has, yep. um, you know, has caught, and then last year it was, uh, I think it was sixty and fifteen. They were when uh, when Leone was catching them. So the numbers are, you know, definitely justify it. But for, for any for any. Uh, Detrimentalness he he brings to uh, not be able not being able to hit uh, because he does not really hit you know he he more than makes up for it you know in what he does for the pitchers so I feel like if you're gonna have a weak player I hate that it's the catcher because uh, you know it is one of my favorite positions but um but I mean it, he's totally worth it he's worth any amount of strikeouts that that there are in existence I I feel. Absolutely. Uh, let's just get into the series real quick before we move on to Houston here. Uh, game one, Price comes back, goes five innings. Didn't really need to go much further than that, though I doubt he would have in his first start. But he had a ton of run support. That was the 12-2 to uh, game. And he, uh, let's see, he only gave up three hits, struck out four, didn't walk anyone. And you know he's three twenty nine on the year, um, pretty encouraging. It, it seems like seems like he's healthy again. I would say. Oh yeah, forty eight of his sixty seven pitches for strikes. He threw nineteen balls in that game. I'll take a little more David Price. I'll take I'll take Price stock right now. Yeah, <laughs> typically, absolutely. Yeah, I have a lot of issues with him in the postseason, but um, <laughs> may, maybe less than previously now. But um, but during the regular season, he's really been solid throughout his career. And you know, if if we're gonna get to the playoffs, it it, it has to be with a healthy David Price. And the other thing too here is it, it's almost impressive that. 
we are four games above 500, considering we didn't have him for a couple of weeks, and we haven't had Avaldi in a, in a while. You know, we've been having the spot starts with, you know, with Velasquez, and uh, today was uh, Weber. But you know, the the team stayed competitive, and I think now that he's back, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic, and he's gonna be in that Houston series as well, it, it, and that's a team he typically. Uh, pitch as well again, so liked what I saw there. And even though it it pains me in a lot of ways to see the Red Sox do good at all, even though I'm here <laughs> on this podcast every week, um, obviously I want to see David Price do well. I mean, he's he he's an amazing. He's one of the few pitchers that's left that's left the Rays and actually done really well. So I, I can't ever begrudge him for that, regardless of whatever team he plays for. Right. I appreciate you. <laughs> hey, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a complete hater. Like I I'll, I'll never be that way. I don't think I ever really have been. I lived in Boston a couple years and, and really it's funny like uh, I was just talking today actually about um how I think the fans in general cuz it's really the fans that people hate. I really don't think it's the team. It's the fans that give the team like kind of the bad rep in a way except for obviously in, in the playoffs and whatnot. Um but mm-hmm. um, the fans in Boston aren't aren't bad at all. Like Fenway, I've totally worn Rays stuff at a non uh, Rays Red Sox game and at a Rays Red Sox game. No problems. Worn around town. I was super proud. I loved doing that. That was the best thing ever. Here, here at the Trop or anywhere you run into Boston people, usually obnoxious. I don't know if they're interesting. Channeling. Yeah, it's real weird. It's real weird. But uh, but hey, and- whatever. Uh, game one as well, like I said, 12 uh, runs scored and all, but a lot of uh, solid production in the middle of the order. Uh, the three, four, five guys, Moreland, Bogarts, and Devers were all three for five. So nice to see, you know, Moreland swaying a decent bat, and, uh, you know, Bogarts has been a bright spot all year, as has uh, Devers. So, um, you know, all, all of them definitely played a, a big part in uh, in winning that game. Uh, over to game two, unfortunately, uh, we won't spend too much time on it. But um, you know, Rodriguez did not look good. One of the more painful moments from this game actually was when Mookie Betts came to the plate with the bases loaded, no outs, and then struck out. Oh. Oh. God. Because oh, God. I just said, you know, we're not the team like last year that digs our way out of holes, but I'm like, here we are in the in the seventh inning, bases loaded, you can put up a crooked number, and uh, and then, you know, he struck out, and then Moreland uh, came into the game right after, also struck out, and, um, you know, and then I forget how Bogarts got out, but none of the runs came in, and... Uh, just really put a exclamation point on that game. Yeah, Stroman was just dominant in that game. Um, I don't know, like in uh, with 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 Erod doing what he did, and the bats was not you know making up for it. It just wasn't going to work that game. And and like I said before, like I I'm not good at picks. I never will be. Uh, I pick based on emotion, and that's probably the worst way to do it. But uh, <laughs> but I really, I I really felt like 
you know, like, if they were going to lose a game in this, I, I never feel like any team is going to come in and sweep, even when they're playing the Orioles or, or the Marlins or, or somebody who's really, really shitty. I'm never going to be like, ah, they're going to sweep them. I'm pretty much always going to say you're at least going to lose one because statistically that's what's going to happen. And uh, I really felt like this was the game they were going to lose. And uh, woo I was right. <laughs> yeah, and Strowman kind of, uh, you know, was was a bit of a punk <laughs> throughout the game and taunting the Red Sox uh, dugout after every strikeout or every inning ending out and kind of disappointed me. You know, I, uh, I don't really like to see that. I don't like to see that in my own players. If that was... If that was one of our guys, I can't even think of who it could possibly be, you know, because none of our guys are like that. You know, if, if Rodriguez was chirping the other dugout, I, I'd be calling him out for it. I just, that's not something I like to see w- with any of my players. And, and you know, it's too bad if this was the National League, I don't think Stroman would be getting away with that because he'd be getting a 98-mile-an-hour fastball in the ribs if, uh, you know, he wanted to carry on like that well historically if a, if a pitcher's gonna throw at somebody sure i guess it's good to pick the target that actually did the taunting but there's nothing to stop them from throwing at another player at you know i don't even know who, who i mean a throwing at vlad jr i i guess um that would be the the best target you know because he he was historically great i actually thought about uh, I'd never really watched him play until this series. Uh, everybody talked about him, but I just never find myself wanting to watch a Blue Jays game. So, um, so I hadn't really paid too much attention to him. But, but he was he was great. Aside from a couple bobbles that he had uh, in building, you know, he was terrific. I was so close to picking him for my hero, but I was like, eh, probably shouldn't do that. But yeah. But they, I mean, they could have done that. But kudos to the Red Sox in a way. I mean, I, I'm not a believer in, you know, throwing at the other team for, for being better. And I kind of like, uh, and we discussed it, uh, you know, last show, uh, you know, I like the emotion. I mean, if all you're doing is talking shit, I mean, that, that, I'm all right with it. I mean, it, it makes the game a little more interesting, adds a little drama, you know, to it. And uh, it means the players, you know, kind of give a fuck in a way, rather than just that demure cool, calm, you know, walk off the mound, hey, I'm not going to show any emotion. Uh, I think I'll pick emotion any day. Mm-hmm. But I'm an emotional picker, We, as we already discussed, so that's probably why I like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in game three we had uh, Porcello uh, pitching uh, six strong innings. My tablet is just being ridiculous right now. But another uh, another solid start for him, and Unfortunately, the uh, bullpen unraveled a little bit. But how frustrated were you, were you, Charlie, when it, you know we'd go ahead up by a run and then give it back? And I think it went what twelve innings before uh, we finally finished them off. It was uh, that was frustrating because uh, that was the that was the Workman game too, where we right. saw solo home run. And then another run comes in, it's like, oh, great. So it's going to be extra innings. So free baseball, which is great. Then we score a run, they score another run. And then my boy comes up, and the rest is history. But, you know, as frustrating as that is where you put up a run and then give a run back, I don't think anything is more frustrating than pitching lights-out baseball and getting absolutely no run support, which is 
exactly what's happening at Chris Sale. It's just a travesty what's happening to him this year. It's so sad. Yeah, but I mean, I think we're we're reeling it in, and you know, I think I think eventually we will fire on all cylinders. And with the bullpen, I think the pieces are there, and I think we're going to have Avaldi back pretty soon. I think he was he's already throwing bullpens. He was throwing his off speed stuff, which is encouraging because you know that's going to be more taxing on his uh, elbow and. Um, you know, and I just think, I think we're about ready to go on a run. And with this schedule, you know, this will be the second time we face Houston. You know, we split with um, Colorado there. So, you know, since since March 10th, once uh, March 10th, May 10th, when the schedule started to get tougher, you know, I think we're a little bit above 500. If we can take two out of three this weekend, we got the Yankees next week. I think that's a four-game set. You split there. You're going to come out of the month above 500. Schedule's going to get a little bit more relaxing, a little bit more time for us to get dialed in, and I think we're going to compete for it. I'm not saying we're going to win the division by any means because, you know, it's the, the Yankees are tough. They're going to probably be getting some pieces back, and uh, Tampa... Uh, you know, I know uh, Glass now is out for probably another month or so, but you know they never seem short of solutions, and and you know they're a pretty well balanced team. So I think you know I think Sale will finally start to get his run support. I was at a game last year where he pitched a complete game, one to nothing loss. <laughs> we lost to the oh. White Sox, one to nothing, and Sale pitched a oh. a uh, complete game. So. Um, you know, I, it'll, it'll come around, it, it, you know, it balances out, but, uh, Porcello, I finally have his numbers up here, you know, six innings, three hits, didn't walk anybody, four strikeouts, you know, so that, that category is down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. one guy who I think deserves a little bit of love and it'll probably only be temporary. Heath Hembry is kind of putting it together right now, isn't he? Last several times out, he's just he's been pretty solid, and he did give up a home run. So, um, you know, he was kind of part of the problem. But when we went back ahead, he he came out he came back out and closed out the game. And uh, you know, his earned run average is down to three twenty seven. So, I think for the moment, he's uh, I think he's he's looking pretty good. Let me take a quick look at him, actually, now that you bring him up, because he's um, he's someone, too, that he had, like, a good year, then a bad year, then a great year, then a good year. Last year was kind of all right, but you're right. This year, he's he's done better this year than he has last year. Didn't he just pick up his first career save this year, too? He might have. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, this is... I don't think he had any last year. I, I, I can't. I can't look. It's not working for me right now. I'm not sure if it's me or if it's ESPN. Um, but I think he had his first career save this year. Okay. So I, that's interesting. Interesting that you bring him up. Right, and I noticed with with game three in particular, he um, he was credited with the win and a blown save. Um, so yeah. <laughs> And uh, actually, uh, so was Walden. Now that I look at it, a blown save. But 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was really good for a decent stretch of time last year coming into games with inherited runners. So he he's streaky. You know, he has his ups and downs. And unfortunately, by the time the playoffs came around, um, he really wasn't utilized. And the whole bullpen really sucked for most of uh, September anyway. But, um, you know, if he can kind of go on one of these runs for a little while as we're, you know, trying to figure out where the other pieces fit. I just, I'd like to see it. And with Game 3 in particular, I was looking at the options we had left, and I'm like, well, we could bring Hembry out again, or we could go with Velasquez, and I I don't know how comfortable you are with that with a one-run game. And then Colton Brewer was still in there, and I think Thornburg. So I like the move to bring him back out, despite the fact he, you know, he gave up a dinger the previous inning, but... You know, it paid off, and, you know, we finally won. Did, you know, every time the the Blue Jays came back, did you think, it you know, it was just a matter of time and we just weren't going to win the game? I thought there was a – I mean, there was a chance. I mean, it was give a run, get a run. We've been there before. But, I mean, this is the thing. Like, Toronto's not Tampa Bay. Toronto's not New York. So I wasn't too nervous, but, you know, with the way that the Red Sox season has gone, there's always that possibility, I suppose. I mean, I was probably 50-50. I was, I was nervous. Yeah, and I just, I just feel like, it, you know, this has been a season where not a lot has gone our way in certain situations. I mean, look at that first Colorado game and, you know, with uh, – the, the White Sox, you had that one game with Nicky Delmonico hitting what would essentially be a fly ball if, if it was a normal baseball. And right. um, we had another one uh, last week with Springer, you know, when Cora sent Porcello back out, you know, for the eighth inning. And, you know, certain things like that just haven't gone our way. And that's just kind of what I was feeling like, at, you know, towards the end of that game. But we finally got that last run. Was it Chavis that hit the basically what ended up being the the final go-ahead run he did i think that was him man yeah. man with the plan <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so it it was it was definitely um you know, it was definitely uh you know a nice feeling to to you know win it and i, I mean and then coming into today which we'll get into but game two was ugly and and Game three was an ugly win, and I just wasn't feeling that great about this series. And you come into today, we got a TBA guy versus another TBA, and it, you know, ended up being Weber versus Richards. And you you never know how those games are going to go. So, um, you know, a split would have been painful against a team like this. But you know, we we pitched well today. So, speaking of Weber. What is he and who is he? So Weber is pitching well, first and foremost. Ryan Weber's like knocking on the door thirty, uh, and he's trying to find himself. He's been pitching since twenty fifteen. Just doing quick little research on this cat. Uh, for the most part, was a starter in twenty fifteen, converted to a reliever in twenty sixteen seventeen. He only pitched one game and started. Last year he was playing down in Tampa. Um, just really hasn't had the opportunity. Just never got chances. Last year didn't do great in Tampa Bay. 
Uh, they didn't re-sign him, I guess. I'm not sure if uh, he was a free agent, they picked him up or what. But, I mean, his first start in Boston was four innings, and he didn't do he didn't allow any damage. I was right. like, that, that makes up for, that's so much. Three hits, four innings, four strikeouts. I will take that every day. When he got called up, I think it was, it might have been one of those double header games where we just kind of needed the depth and you're allowed to add a uh, 26th man, you know, on, you know, in those situations. And I was just thinking, you know, prices on the DL and so is Evaldi and, you know, Velazquez, you know, has been fairly solid for the most part, but I was looking at Weber's numbers in, in Pawtucket, you know, and April, eight, yeah, this year he just was terrible, and they he was a body, basically, that they were just kind of putting, you know, on the bench, you know, in case, you know, we just needed another pitcher, and, um, you know, he gave up from April 8th to to May 2nd he gave up at least two runs in uh in all of those starts and then uh, in the final one before getting called up he he had given up four runs against Buffalo so um it just on paper coming up he just didn't didn't look like he was going to be a guy that contributed and he had two separate like you said, you know, middle inning long relief appearances, both roughly about four innings apiece, and I think he only gave up one run in in that stretch. And then he comes into today, and I was kind of open minded about seeing what he could do. My expectations weren't too high, but Velazquez didn't look great against Houston, and and that granted that's a lineup that's probably going to make a lot of pitchers look bad, but. Um, but you know, Weber was showing some flashes and he came in today, pitched six full innings and only gave up three hits in, in one run. So I'm curious. I don't, I don't know, like, you know, on paper, he doesn't look like a guy who's gonna go on a run and, you know, be a force in the majors, but, but like I just said, he's, he's piqued my curiosity anyway. Yeah. 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 When you said he uh, played for Tampa last season, I was like, oh my God, I feel like a horrible fan. I, I didn't know he <laughs> played for Tampa. So I just looked him up and it, it looked like he only pitched two games. He pitched April 10th against the White Sox and his ERA was is 27, which is insane. And then he pitched uh, July 4th against the Marlins. Uh, with an ERA of uh, 5.06, it looked like. So he only played two games for us. I, I don't know where he came from or, or what was going on with him. He might be more of like a, almost like a career minor leaguer where, sure, he's played with a couple different teams on the major league level, but he just gets passed around and deals, you know, as, an, as a player to be named later, maybe, or something. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, he, he may have been with us, but he didn't really play so much for us. I have his numbers right here. Um, he appeared in 16 games uh, with the Braves in 2016, and uh, okay. only two of those were starts. He started uh, five games for him uh, the season before, and uh, you know in 2016 he was 
5.45 ERA, 36 innings overall, and um, in his five starts he, in 2015, he only totaled 28 in the third innings, and uh, his ERA was just under five there. So uh, not a guy that's really, like I said, made, a, made an impact anywhere, and nobody's really seemed to be able to develop him. But, yeah, and then in 2017 he had... Uh, one start with Seattle, and uh, apparently, uh, well, he only gave up one run, so I'm not sure if there was an uh, injury there. And then you already covered his uh, Tampa starts from last <laughs> year, but um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Evoldi's probably going to be out for, I'm guessing, at least two or three more weeks. So, got a couple of chances to kind of see who he is you know maybe maybe he's gonna be a reliever maybe that's what his path will be I kind of think maybe that's Evoldi's path as well because I mean he doesn't quite have the durability I don't think to to pitch 180 to 200 innings a year and maybe maybe if you're trying to get the most out of a guy like Evoldi over a four-year deal which I thought was ridiculous i i don't think he should have got more than two years but um i agree yeah absolutely and um so i i don't know but we've got some we got a little bit more depth at the moment anyway and uh go, going back to today's game uh pierce kind of started to come out of it i forgot to pull up his uh his chart, but he's kind of, you know, he, he had a pretty good series, multiple hits, absolutely destroyed uh, a home run today. And I mean, do you think he's kind of feeling a little bit vulnerable? Like, geez, if I don't wake up there, you know, I could be the first guy out. And, it, you know, if, if he can kind of go on a run similar to what we saw in the series, it's going to be pretty difficult to, to, you know, DFA him, trade him, whatever. Well, I'm not sure if it was you or someone else that posted uh, numbers on Twitter uh, between him and Hanley Ramirez. And Hanley got DFA'd when he was doing a lot more work than what he's done so far. And uh, the difference was, oh, yeah, we need to go in a different direction for Hanley because he wasn't hitting. Now, I thought it was because of the contract situation. I'm, I'm pretty confident that's what ended up being the real culprit. And uh, Steve Pierce is batting like a buck 18, and Alex Cora's same, uh, his response instead of saying, like, oh, yeah, we need someone who hit the ball better was trust the process. Yeah, different different narratives. You know, I don't want to get into this too much, but I, I kind of have this conspiracy theory with the Hanley thing. It was out of nowhere, like you recall that, right? Oh, yeah. I, and I remember the day, too. It was a Friday, you know, <laughs> just a normal Friday morning, <laughs> and I was watching MLB Central like I do because I work weird hours, and uh, they're like, oh, by the way, Hanley's been DFA'd, and I'm like, what? And yes. uh, Yeah, and then, but Mookie Betts goes on the DL also out of nowhere a couple days later, so... I don't know. I just wonder if something might have happened in the clubhouse and maybe Hanley had to go. And also the season before, not many people will remember this, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys don't either. Hanley had this incident where he supposedly slipped on the dugout stairs and kind of jammed his wrist a little bit. 
and there were kind of rumors that maybe he got into an altercation you know and didn't really fall down the stairs so nothing was ever substantiated it was just all you know rumors and innuendo and whatnot but um but anyway that it's just kind of a two two things happened real quick last year and i just i wouldn't be shocked if if uh you know there might be a connection there that's all but right but pierce you know getting back to your original point much better clubhouse guy. If you're going to have a bunch of young kids on the team, he's a great guy to have around. And he, I think he started in the outfield today, didn't he? Because I think Mookie was the the DH. So you can kind of you can kind of move him around a little bit. You can put him, you know, at first. You can put him out in left field. He can DH for a game if you know if the pitching matchup justifies it. So. We'll see, but like I said, either he or Bradley are going to be the odd man out when the next big prospect comes up, I feel like. Imagine imagine not having, bless you, imagine not having uh, Jackie Bradley in the outfield. It's weird. It's like a weird thought to not have the three Bs in the outfield, but if one's to go, he's, he's first without a question. Yeah, and a, a, an example I like to give, you know, Benintendi obviously wouldn't be quite as dynamic as as Bradley would be in center, but but would Benintendi be any worse than Ellsbury? You know, we thought Ellsbury was a pretty good center fielder, so I mean, I guess the point I'm making is I, I think we're we got a highly serviceable option for that position anyway. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, we're kind of probably way over on time here. Yeah, we're about an hour and a quarter. So we'll just spend a few minutes here uh, on the Astro series before we wrap. So kind of nice to be getting them out of the way uh, by, you know, by the end of June anyway. While the Yankees get to play the Orioles every game, it seems like. Um Game one, let's see, that's Chris Sale versus uh, Wade Miley. Wade Miley, okay. So that's a rematch from uh, that Sunday previously. So it sounds like, whoa, was I knocked my mic over? Um, It sounds like the matchups are going to be pretty similar, although Price will be uh, in this one as well. But, um, you know, what do we expect out of Sale? Because previously... His numbers were not good against against the Astros. He had the two playoff starts. His start in, uh, I think it was May of last year, not great. Uh, Bregman has absolutely owned him in the past, but he only gave up three runs. I think he went, what, five or six innings, something like that, last weekend. We'll take that again this time around, I would think. I um I think he's gonna be able to go a little bit farther. Me personally, I think they're gonna you know stretch his wings a little bit further. He uh, he did really well in Toronto. Um, he did what was asked of him. Granted, Toronto doesn't have a bunch of superstars on their team, so it's not like he had to really kill himself to get the five innings out of the way. But what I really liked was his conversion of strikes to 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 walks or strikes to to balls. Excuse me. Um, when you throw 67, almost 70 pitches and not even 20 of them are, are, are balls, you're, you're doing your job. 
So that's a, a testament to uh, your, your boy Sandy, Lizzie, <laughs> uh, behind the dish, calling calling the game. So um, if if he can stretch up to 75, 80, get six innings out, I'll, I'm more than happy. More than happy. I would say as well, um, you know, and on the last show we we talked about how it, it would have been nice to have Price pitch the Sunday game, you know, where his numbers are very good against the Astros, and then put mm-hmm. Sale, you know, into the Toronto series, and you know, to try to limit the the stressful innings. But you know, they aligned it the way they did, and you know, Sale got his win against. Houston and, and Price, you know, kind of cruised through that, um, you know, that Toronto start. Got some background going on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Sounds like you're mixing a drink or something. Um, uh, well, if, if, if you can believe that I that it's almost 11.30 and uh, I was just putting a little bit of coffee to warm up what was in my cup, it's like a, like a thing for me. I have to drink coffee when I'm when I'm up, when I'm up this late on a school night, so on a school night, <laughs> yeah, um, school night. Okay. I know I'm getting old. I need my sleep if I gotta, if I gotta get up, and um, it, it kills me when I get up. And I know you get up insanely early, so I should not be complaining. But yeah. uh, but that's my ritual. So I apologize for pouring coffee and not putting my phone on mute. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so who are we picking game one? Are we we all going with Sale over Miley? Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I mean, not not only because uh, because of Leon and he's been so strong, you know, lately, but uh, not that not that one, I mean, it wasn't completely horrible, but uh, not that one bad game is reflective of how they're going to be tomorrow, but um, the White Sox made the Astros look really bad tonight, uh, so if, if they play like that and the Red Sox keep hitting the way that they are, I mean, I personally, and here... There I go again. Uh, they're going to take two two out of three. I think the only game they're really maybe going to have trouble with is uh, is game three against Verlander, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, that's the E-Rod start. Uh, game yeah. two even, is... Even worse. Why does why do they always got to pair them up against the worst pitchers? You know, here's the thing. Or the I, best pitchers, excuse me. I, I, I honestly feel like the reason why they have Price going Saturday as opposed to Sunday is because... If you put Price against Verlander, let, let's just be honest, Verlander's on fire. He's yeah. arguably the best pitcher in baseball right now. Why wouldn't you want to have the better option pitch on a day where you have the higher probability of winning the game? That's the way that I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that, that's what I would do as well, you know, and, and Erod typically does have a ton of run support. You know, the team typically shows up when – when he's pitching, so and we've gotten to Verlander, yep. you know. I mean, he's not gonna, you know, give up a ton of runs, but if Erod's somewhat sharp, you know, you could you could score three or four off Verlander, you know, on a given day. But let, let's get just get back to game two real quick. We have uh, Price versus Brad Peacock, so that's a fairly uh, favorable matchup as well for the Red Sox and Colin McHugh got put on the DL so I don't know if that's why um, why Peacock's actually getting a start because he's typically uh, a bullpen guy, a long relief type guy um, 
But to me, I mean, that start is how sharp is Price, you know, only in a second start off the DL. If, mm-hmm. if I, I, I guess we just have to take it at face value. That's what I said going into the Toronto series. I said, I'm just going to, he's got insane numbers against Toronto, you know, 8 0, you know, against them there. And I think he's like 22 and 3 overall against the Blue Jays in his career. Um, you know, so I said, I'm, I'm just going to take it at face value. And he was dominant that day, you know, over five innings and, and I, I'm not going to pick any differently in in game two. I think he's going to be pretty solid and I don't know if it's a lefty thing. You know, I know the season that the, the Astros won the world series, they struggled mightily against lefties and price came out of the bullpen he was a super reliever in that one series and really shut them down and Doug Fister got the start that game as well and that ended up being the one game we won and I just remember throughout that postseason Houston struggled against Sabathia struggled against Rich Hill you know tricky lefties and I don't know it's just it's been a good matchup for Price over the last few years and I uh you know I expect him to be pretty solid this start yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't expect Price, you know, to be any less either. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, coming back, he had he had that, you know, solid first start coming back, and and uh, even though the Astros are significantly better, you know, than the Blue Jays, obviously, uh, I, I don't think that's going to slow Price down as long as I mean he's going to get some hits scored on him, and, and that's fine uh, for me. Like a starting pitcher, on average, is going to get two to three. I mean, you can't you know, have an unrealistic expectation and think that they're going to have zero every single time. Obviously, that that's kind of unrealistic. Um, but I, I think the bats are going to make up for it, definitely, in this game. I got some bad news. Uh, Peacock's actually been starting quite a bit this year. Um, yeah, I saw that. He's two, uh, four for two on there, if I see the numbers right. Yeah, he, he got lit up He's pretty, killing it. pretty bad against uh, Minnesota, and that's a team that can make you look bad. Uh, you know, they're not short of uh, offense. You know, got tagged for seven runs over three and two-thirds innings that game, but in two out of his last three, he's he's been scoreless and gone at least five innings. So, um so yeah, I, you know who knows? Maybe maybe it will be uh, a little little tougher than what we're anticipating. And he was phenomenal in that World Series year. You know, coming out of the bullpen, Morton was utilized, uh, you know, a little bit more, and uh, you know, got the glory for Game Seven. But I remember Peacock pitching some stressful innings there and uh, looked pretty good. Uh, we got some more background. Not me this time. <laughs> that was the TV of mine, sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's been a, <laughs> been a weird show. For, started off with, <laughs> starting off with me getting disconnected. But, uh, but anyway. Hey, now, now, now it's full now circle. We've all had a faux pas. We've all had our fuck up, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Peacock, I guess it, it could be a tougher start on paper when we're, you know, two out of your three guys are Miley and, and Peacock. You're thinking, oh, geez, cause we got two of our three guys, you know, best three guys in there. So, um, so yeah, but anyway, get, getting back to that one start against Verlander, um, in game, uh, 
three. I'm assuming that'll. I haven't. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but that, I'm guessing that's going to be a Sunday night game. Um, nope. No. Two o'clock. Two o'clock. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's early. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's fine with me. Um, mm-hmm. That means the podcast won't start at like midnight. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that sucks when that happens, or there's like a rain delay. I'm like, ah, oh, motherfucker. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, we're gonna. I think we're all gonna pick Verlander in that one. I mean, I am. It's Erod's yeah. been terrible, and you know, it's. Yeah, and I'm not saying we can't win, and I'm I'm not saying we're definitely gonna lose, but you know, if I if I got to make a pick, I just I got to go with the Astros in that in that series, in that uh, start. I mean, you, you they're, got they're, to. They're not they're not gonna get enough hits uh, or enough runs to to dig you right out of his hole. Like even if the deficit isn't that bad, uh, I still think they're gonna lose. Verlander for the month of May is averaging seven innings, nine strikeouts, one point five walks. Per game, that's stupid. Just disgusting. That guy's that's unbelievable. Just, yeah, he's. If you're betting against Verlander and you know something that I don't, I'd love to know the Powerball numbers too. <laughs> Last year, around this time, it was in late May. We played them, and I think luckily Price was starting, and and we got the win that game. But um, yeah, Erod's not David Price, so. Um, but the insane thing about Verlander, I think he's born the same exact year as me, 1983. So he's going to be 36 this year if he hasn't already. And he's my favorite. Yeah, he's already 36. He already is. Yeah. He's my favorite non-Red Sox player of all time. And uh, Charlie, we were talking on the phone earlier and I, I even said, you know, if you go back to 2016, I take, I take Verlander over sale any day and sales worked out all right. You know, he, he had a 10-something war last year, you know, even missing, you know, close to half the season. But um, but I just, I absolutely love Verlander. If you look at, I don't really go to Twitter accounts of pro athletes. It's just not really my thing. I like to interact with fans and see what the beat writers are saying. But I did go on Verlander's uh, Twitter page once and you know, he lives in a mansion. He's got these Batmobile-looking cars in his garage. I don't know what they are. I'm not a car expert, but they're really exotic-looking cars. And he's got a pretty wife, you know, Kate Upton. And he's got no reason to be... Living the dream, basically. No, he's got no reason to still be pitching, you know, and and grinding out these long-ass seasons and, you know... These Octobers, you know, because Astros have done pretty well as of late. And, you know, those late plane flights and rain delays and double headers. And the dude's 36. He's got everything you could possibly want, but he loves playing baseball. And he says he says he wants to pitch into his 40s. And I love that guy. You know, I, I just – no current – well, maybe Mike Trout, but – no player to me is going to be closer to the gods as uh, Verlander is, and no nobody else quite has the cool factor he does either. You know, just unreal. I I, I love the guy, and I'm just sad that he never wore our uniform. 
I'm glad. I, and, and for <laughs> anyone, for anyone that's listening, I do not have a Justin Verlander tattoo. I promise you. But uh, <laughs> I, I uh, just, just. Are you sure you're a Red Sox fan? Because that gets you. questioned. Oh. Well, I mean, everyone on Twitter thinks I'm a closet Yankees fan. Even though I got this flag, I'm turning the camera for it. You know, I got a Yankees flag next to me with red spray paint all over it. But, um, but yeah. Anyway, so we'll we'll go Ver- Verlander for that one, I guess. But uh, you know, if we take two out of three, the last that one game though last weekend with Porcello getting kind of hung out to dry there when Springer, you know, hit the go ahead homer. That's still painful because I keep thinking back. I'm like, man, we could have won that series too, you know, against a a good team. I think all of us, all four of us in the series preview picked picked the Astros to win the World Series. So, um, you, you know, so hopefully we don't we don't drop any games like like that one. And we did have one bad game. I think it was the middle game of the three where <laughs> Betts, Bradley, and Vasquez were all having defensive blunders. So. You know, hopefully they show up and, you know, play like a a World Series contender. Guess we'll see. Guess we'll see. (laughs) So I guess we we can go ahead and wrap. I uh, I wasn't quite expecting uh, a long show. This must be about 90 minutes. Yeah, about a minute and a half away from the 90-minute mark. So, um, all right, I guess any final thoughts before we do go? I am super thankful that I got to finally be on here. I know that you and I had chatted a couple weeks ago of all the uh, fun messages you and I have received over the last couple weeks. I'll say one thing. I haven't had as much personal hate as when I defended Alex Corr not going to the White House. Oh, oh, yeah. I've never received so many personal messages, people sending me all sorts of fun stuff. Not like, hey, we love you. More like the exact opposite. Yeah. But very happy to be on and and uh, chatting and sharing opinions and listening to other uh, outlooks on it. Yeah. Very fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And I'm sure we can probably do it again in the future. You know. For sure. So you know, some of these guys need uh, nights off or whatever. Um, but yeah. All right. So we'll. Uh, I'll uh, I'll see you as next week. I think that that'll be to preview the Yankees series, actually. And oh. uh, yeah, so all right. Well, have a good Thanks. night, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch via Twitter. Sounds good. Sounds good. Have a good night. See you guys. Episode one thirty six. I don't know. I don't know what episode. I always forget. I always forget. But uh, I'll know when I go to upload it. Um, you know, what's tomorrow? Friday. So coming into the weekend, just covered it. Uh, I think the Sox could win two out of three. If it ends up being one, as long as we don't get swept, I won't be too miserable about it. Cause like I said, the rotation's getting healthier. They're getting locked in. I think the pieces are there for the bullpen. It's just a matter of figuring it out. And we got some guys in the lineup right now that are mashing. So, I think we're going to contend one way or the other. You know, we're going to be a competitive baseball team, and if we can look good this weekend against the team many of us picked to win the World Series, then that will um, 
that'll definitely uh, catch people's attention going forward. So thanks again to uh, Charlie for coming in and Liz, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys. Uh, we'll see you Sunday night. Take care.